Good evening. Welcome back. We invite you to open to the book of Romans. Many of the references that we will make tonight will be to the book of Romans. In your Bible reading and in listening to sermons, you recall this statement of the Apostle Paul, the wages of sin is death. We're going to talk some tonight about what that means. And there's one reason for this kind of study. We need to know the full impact of sin. That's part of what guards us against sin, falling back into sin, knowing the full impact of it. Not just part of what sin does, but the full impact of it. We tend, I think, to speak generically about sin. Everybody knows that sin is bad. Sin is to be avoided. It is not a good thing. We considered this morning what God did to provide a remedy for sin. But we need to know the full extent of what sin does to the sinner and to others. And then, most importantly, what it does to God. And that will be our purpose this evening. So here's this statement that will be the launching pad of our study in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Context. What was Paul talking about? Who was Paul talking to in Romans chapter 6? Well, he was writing to Christians in Rome. He was saying this to Christians. If you'll notice in the first part of Romans 6, he says, as many of us as were baptized into Christ. And that, of course, identifies Christians. And then he says in that same opening statement in chapter 6 of Romans, we were buried with him through baptism. That's us. Christians. And then he says, after baptism, we are to walk in newness of life. That's us. We are walking, I hope, in newness of life. So this was written to Christians. Now, what's his point? He is telling Christians, now that you are Christians, since you have been baptized into Christ, you must resolve to never fall back into sin. You must be a servant of God, not a servant of sin. And in making this point, he says things like this in Romans 6. Shall we who died to sin go back into sin? The answer is no. He says, we should no longer be slaves of sin. And he says, we are to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. So this is part of Paul's letter to Rome, the Christians there. He's talking to Christians, people who've been baptized, and he is warning them not to go back into what Christ got them out of. Don't fall back into sin. And as he wraps that up near the end of chapter 6, that's where he makes the point that we're going to look at. He says, as Christians, we are no longer slaves of sin. 
We are now free from sin to be righteous people and to serve God. And that all brings us now to Romans 6. I'm going to start at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. And now the statement, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's what we can get from this immediately in Romans 6. After being baptized into Christ, I need to understand that sin is no longer my master. God is my master. And then along with that, I need to understand how high the stakes are. If I go back into what Christ got me out of, if I go back, I need to understand how high the stakes are. If I drift back into sin, it's going to kill me. That can be said, right? If I drift back into sin, instead of walking in newness of life, if I drift back into sin after I'm baptized, it's going to kill me. Now, I may continue to be alive physically, breathing, maybe in good health, seem to be busy and have a full life, here under the sun, but if I leave Christ and drift back into sin, I'm really the walking dead as far as God is concerned. I no longer have spiritual life. But if I walk in newness of life and continue under the authority of Christ, not only do I enjoy the fruit of holiness now, but in the end, Paul says, everlasting life. One thing that will help me walk in newness of life toward everlasting life is a deep and continual awareness of what sin does. The full impact of it. The deadliness of sin. That could be a subtitle tonight. The deadliness of sin. And it could be crudely put this way. Sin is a killer. And again, that doesn't mean if you disobey God, you immediately drop dead. Wouldn't that make this world a different place? Can you imagine some kind of population control, right? A person disobeys God and drops dead on the spot. There'd be death everywhere. That's not what Paul is talking about in Romans 6. And while it is true that sin brought death into the human race as developed by Paul... In Romans chapter 5, that's only the initial point of sin's impact that is common to man. We die. This is about all of what sin does to the sinner in Romans 6. And I think a good way to understand it and underscore it in our mind is sin is a killer. Well, now we could go home right there. But we're going to stay a few more minutes, and I'm going to give you some examples 
of the negative, deadly aspects of sin in our lives. Sin kills your self-confidence if your conscience is still alive and active. And by self-confidence, I mean your confidence about your relationship with God. That's the self-confidence that I speak of now. If you know what God expects of you, but you also know alongside that that you're not doing that, doesn't that bother you? Doesn't it eat at you? <clears throat> Doesn't that work on you emotionally and kill your confidence about your standing with God? I believe this is part of what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, the next chapter. Listen to some of this in Romans 7. I'm going to start at verse 15 and read through verse 21. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh... For I have the desire to do what is good, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, but it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me, so I find it to be a law <clears throat> that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. That's the Apostle Paul. Before he obeyed the gospel, he was shaken to this extent by sin. This is how he felt. He knew what was right. The training, the knowledge, even the will to some extent to do what is right. But he didn't do it. And he knew he wasn't right with God. Even as a legalistic Pharisee, to some Jewish minds, that was sort of a bonus in your relationship with God. If you were a legalistic Pharisee, if you followed all of their rules and traditions, that was sort of like a bonus. But even with that perceived bonus... There was no relief for Paul, no resolution of his conflict as he struggled with sin until he came out of sin and into Christ. And he speaks of that in the next chapter, Romans 8, where he says, Now there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So one point I gather from that is, sin kills my confidence about my standing with God. Knowing what is right, doing what is wrong, is a killer even when you make vain attempts to save yourself by yourself or by some human legalistic system. Life and assurance can only be found by abiding in Christ. Outside of Him, indifferent to Him, in love with the world, you're dying spiritually. And as long as your heart holds 
a level of conscience, a dimension of conscience, your self-confidence in regard to God and spiritual things is dead. Do you see sin is a killer? Sin kills your ability to, to be a good servant to others. I'll take us again in the book of Romans to chapter 12 in just a moment. Romans chapter 12. Disobeying God is a negative in every aspect of life. Disobeying God is a negative in every dimension, every aspect of life. Sin brings you nothing positive. It adds nothing to your quality of life. In fact, it diminishes it. It supplies no permanent happiness or pleasure. It is an all-around, total, deadly negative. And one area where this is true is in your relationship with people. Sin is a killer of human relationships. See, name anything you can that tears people apart and then engage in some analysis and thought about it and very quickly you see that sin was at the heart of the conflict. Can you name any kind of a human conflict, any kind of hostility between one person and another where there is no sin? No, because our thinking is when I'm in fellowship with God, actively and devoted to Christ, and when you are in fellowship with God, actively devoted to Christ, we have harmony with one another based on our harmony and fellowship with God. Sin kills your ability to serve. In Romans 12, I'm going to start at verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, if I'm not living that way, Described by Paul in these verses. If I'm not serving others as described here, that deficiency in my service to others, once I look at it carefully and objectively, is always going to get back to sin. Maybe just plain old selfishness. 
Sin kills your ability to serve others in the highest way. I tell you, sin negatively impacts who you are and what you do and how you respond to your neighbors and your friends and how you respond as a citizen, as a spouse, as a parent, an employer or an employee. God calls us to be servants. And the best way to be servants here on earth is to be servants of Him. Serving Him, a result of serving Him, will be that we are equipped in a good fashion to serve one another. But sin kills all that. Sin kills it. Sin kills your hope. We're now working our way into Romans 8. Paul said in Romans 8 at verse 25, We hope for what we do not see. Then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We are a people who need hope and long to have it on a solid basis where it's more than just a wish. We are a people who like happy endings. We want to know it will all turn out okay in the end. Most of us at some point, even if briefly and not often, think about what might be our condition upon a sudden incident of trauma or death, a car accident, the sudden onset of a disease, an unexpected heart attack. You hear about those from time to time. When you have those thoughts about yourself, is hope attached to those thoughts? And could those thoughts be helpful to us, even though we consider them at first dark? If you have little certainty, or if you know you're not ready to die, or encounter some unexpected doom in life, you should allow that thought to prompt the changes that God's Word calls upon you to make. Sinners may have false hope, but not the hope of the gospel. Here's the situation of the sinner described by Paul over in Ephesians 2 and verse 12. He says, remember that you were at that time before their conversion, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now that's dark. Without Christ, aliens, strangers, without God. And Paul says, having no hope. Sin kills hope. So to whatever extent you are disobedient to God and you know it and you're involved in sin and you know it, to that extent you're being paid the wages of sin very early. Sin is a killer. It kills your hope. It kills your confidence. It kills your ability to serve others effectively and it kills your hope. We could go home here. But I'm not through. I have to tell you that it's worse than all this. That's right. It's worse than all this. In addition to the deadly wages of sin, 
We've already brought up and looked at, earned by sinners, that you encounter if you've been baptized and you go back to what Christ got you out of. The worst thing about sin is being separated from God. Sin kills your relationship with God. It is the absence of life with God. That's a definition of sin. The sinner not only suffers inner conflict and low self-confidence about his standing with God, the sinner not only lives against the high standards of serving others, the sinner not only experiences the loss of hope, but the worst thing is separation from God. Isaiah spoke of this in Isaiah 59 too. Your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now what impact should that have on me? This is the worst thing about sin. It separates us from God. And we need to understand and have constant awareness that when we sin, he is hurt. He is disappointed. He is offended. And we, by our sin, <clears throat> have stepped away from Him. And I want to identify two dimensions of that separation. The earthly dimension and the eternal dimension. Living in sin, you have no relationship with God here on earth. Living in sin and dying without his forgiveness, you have no relationship with God forever. I want you to think of that. Separated from God forever. And I want you to understand that there's a word for that in the New Testament. Separated from God forever. There's a word for that. Hell. Life without God is so bad it is called death. Do you see tonight that sin is a killer? And many, in many ways we've not had time to describe the fuller impact even of the wages of sin. What an injustice I would do to stop here though without speaking just for the last moment or two of the positive part of Romans 6.23. You remember the second part? Second part is the good news. The bad news is the wages of sin is death. The good news is the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See. We don't have to send ourselves away from God. We don't have to serve that master. Because of what Jesus did, we can turn from sin and give it up and give ourselves to him who died for us. And in that activity of faith, receive the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I hope we all own the truth we've studied tonight. And should you need to respond, we give you that opportunity while we stand to sing. Why do you